Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. I want to encourage you to put your student brain on right now. I'm going to read a lot of verses. Um, actually out of the out of the book of Ephesians so I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bibles and open up to the book of Ephesians so you're ready when I get in there um, also because we're not meeting in person it makes it tricky for me as the pastor and I'm sure for others to know like who actually is present during these services that we're doing online I want to encourage you guys and ask you um, could you please like hit the like button or the love button or whatever uh, whatever way you want to reveal to us that you're with us, um, I would encourage you and ask you to do that. Put comments on there. Um, you know, you can put some amens or or whatever, like, and, and just shout out, you know, release things over each other too. But the more you guys are dialoguing, the more that we as a church know that we're present together. Otherwise, you might be that person who slipped in in the back row after after the worship was going, nobody saw you come in and you slip out before anybody looked back to see that you left. Let's not be that person, all right? We're a family. So let's, let's try to push in and do the best we can right now. All right, here we go, guys. Here's my message for you. Um, I, I think it's obvious, but the world right now, I feel like we are experiencing... My goodness, I'm feeling my stomach rumbling and I got, cause I'm hungry and I got this microphone. I hope you guys aren't gonna be hearing these. You might, sorry, let me get back to this now. Carter, you can cut all that out and start from this point forward with the, with the podcast. <laughs> Just keeping things real guys. All right, it's, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to, as a Christian I should say, to, to recognize that there is an antichrist spirit in this world and it is revving up. It's like it's gaining more ground um, than, than probably it's ever had, I would think, except maybe the day of Jesus when, when the enemy um, tried to get him on the cross, even though Jesus already planned that himself. All right. Um, there's an antichrist spirit. And I want to say that spirit even though it's it probably super involved with politics and, and the news media and all these different things, um, it's way bigger. The agenda is way bigger than that. And, and the assault, you know, of, of this Antichrist spirit, um, it really is not about any news figure uh, where its agenda is. It, it's assault is, is against Jesus Christ and his church. Okay, as bad as things might even be looking, you know, out in the world, thank God we're not of the world, but it's, it's important for us to be aware that, um, that the enemy really, his, his target, he, he knows he can't hurt Jesus. His target is you and me. His target is the church, the body of Christ, okay? <clears throat> and he's been working hard to do anything he can to bring destruction against the church. And I, I want to speak into today the importance of the church, the value of the church, God's perspective on the church, because it's so important that we are aligning ourselves with His value for who we are as a church, that, that we understand that 
his, his plan is way beyond Christians uh, doing solo Christianity. It's about the collective family, the body of Christ. Uh, he's thinking big picture, guys. And, you're, and you and I are a part of that. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen? The enemy working hard against the church, he's, he's doing all these things he can to try to break the church apart. Um, so much divisiveness in the church, obviously as well as the world, but talking about the church right now, a lot of divisiveness, a lot of criticalness. Excuse me. Um, even the quarantine, like th- this COVID thing, like we don't know for sure, you know, where that came from or in- originated, but I can tell you this. The enemy, the enemy is behind the, the whole way. The devil, Satan, the destroyer, he, he, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to use anything he can, any tactic, any weapon he can to destroy um, the people of this world and especially the church. And so the, the, the repercussions of, this, of, the, cor- of the COVID is, is quarantines and, and churches, um, you know, not being able to meet some states. It's way worse than what we're experiencing right here. Thankfully, like it's been pretty good for us in the big picture, but still it has, um, it has definitely been a, a, a strong, not a, what am I trying to say? It's been an obstacle at least in the very least to get past that, to keep momentum. Um, but, but the quarantine restrictions are definitely one of the tactics I believe that the enemy is trying to use to cause division in the church. Now, I'm not here to talk about the quarantine. That's just an example of it. Um, the, the, the Antichrist spirit is working hard um, <clears throat> in the world and within, the, and within Christianity um, to cause people to start getting a mentality. And he's been working this um, f- f- over decades, but it's getting worse now to, to get people to de- delegitimize um, or invalidate the importance of the church. Um, He's, he's really worked uh, into people a distrust for the church and for Christian leadership. Um, you know, we, we have seen over the years so many times public figures of, in the body of Christ um, that it gets exposed that they've, uh, they've been secretly um, doing immorality, sexual immorality or whatever. We, we just had a recent one um, with our brother who, who was pastor in the church, the Hillsong Church in New York. Um, you know, which is so unfortunate. Thank God uh, for the cross and our opportunity for repentance. And I believe the Lord's even allowing some of these things to get exposed uh, to, to clean house, honestly. But unfortunately, um, those kind of things can can sow distrust into the, in, you know, towards the church by people, as well as like toxic leadership, people who uh, who abuse their leadership authority in ways that are not good for the for the people it shows distrust in the church um the the church has been people are desensitized uh, for their need for the church and you can just look at statistics about church attendance and see um a decline over the over the last couple of decades i remember when i was a kid like uh you know people are going to church on sunday morning Sunday night, and if there's something going on on Wednesday night, every time, or or, or youth group, I, I would never have missed a youth group or whatever. But uh, but people like wanting to be in church, and you know, and now I don't know exactly what the statistic is, but I think that um, you know people say who say that they are faithful, regular attenders. I think it's like maybe maybe one or two, 
maybe twice a month. Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not judging people. I'm just saying we're seeing trends moving to where there's a desensitization of this. And it, it is a concern. Um, I, I have a friend who's a pastor of a church here in Indiana. I'm not going to say who it is. But re- just the other day, he told me that since um, the COVID quarantine that happened back in the early spring, um, he, he has about a, half of his church has not come back at all since that time. Um, so that's crazy. Thankfully, God's brought other people to them that are hungry for what they're going after. And God's moving, he said, in their church, which is awesome. God's moving. Great things are happening. But, but it shows you something about how this, the, it's the Antichrist spirit who's really trying to attack the church. And so he's trying to desensitize people's value for it. Um, and, and even people, you know, it's common in churches uh, for people to show up and they're there in body, but not necessarily in heart or spirit, uh, not necessarily engaging with the hearts of one another, uh, maybe going through the motions or whatnot. But, um, you know, and, and COVID and the, and the quarantine mandates and everything, it's actually gotten people out of the habit of, of church faithfulness. Um, and with, you know, in some mentalities with good reason, I guess, but I want to say something, guys. Um, there is nothing that's happened in this world in God's mind that has decreased the value for the church. And, and he's not in agreement with anybody um, embracing mentalities that, um, that, that cause people to, to be okay with, with disengaging with the body, his, his body, your family, okay? And I, I'm not just speaking this at you here at Overflow. This is a general statement. Um, some people have become desensitized to church because of offenses about mask mandates or, or social distancing um, val- or standards that churches have had, whether, you know, some people think we should be doing more and, and you know, offenses about it because the, the, you know, leaders might not be doing it that way. Or some people are like, we should be doing it less because uh, those who, who are doing it are, they call them sheeple, like the, like, um, you know, sheep who are being herded by people without them even paying attention to what's behind it. I'm not trying to push a side on this. The thing I'm trying to push on this right now is there is no excuse um, to embrace offenses no matter which side of any of these things that a person's on. We need to guard our hearts first the wellspring of life. We need to, we need to protect our value for one another and, and love one another and love the church beyond our our uh, our personal opinions okay you guys hear my heart on this the antichrist has um really sown a disvalue uh for the local church and in, in some people uh, and and some people it's even with theological reasons um because of the the kingdom of god you know that we're, we're of the kingdom the kingdom's way bigger than the church and and uh I want to, I'll be part of the church and can come here and go there and float wherever the, the wind blows and, and, but having no, um, no committal, no rooting down. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I the, the, the kingdom of God is larger than the church. I'm going to touch on that in a little bit. Um, but, uh, but it doesn't, 
It doesn't mean um, that the Lord wants us floating. All right, the kingdom is important, and the church is part of that. Uh, but but people who um, have lost their value for the local church have have they're, they're lacking in spiritual covering and the benefits from heaven that comes with that, you know, which includes the corporate grace that translates into personal lives, the corporate anointing that the Lord puts on a house that translates into personal lives, uh, the corporate breakthroughs that God puts in a, in a church um, that translates into personal lives as well. By, it's like you, you're part of the whole and you get to benefit personally from it. So people who, uh, you know, have a disvalue for committing themselves to a local church, um, unfortunately, they're lacking in, that, in the benefits of spiritual covering. They're also lacking in uh, fellowship, true koinonia fellowship, where you're, you're given spirit to one another. You're eating of the, of the bounty of God's riches in each other's lives in the spirit, um, where, where you know one another and are known by one another, where you can celebrate one another and be celebrated by, by each other. Um, a, a life where you're living in the light as He is in the light, where we're being honest and open about things, even struggles, even um, strengths that we have. But like the, the Lord actually wants us to have koinonia fellowship with a body that we're committed to. All right. Uh, and having that mentality, you know, where, where I'm not going to be committed to a church because I'm part of the larger kingdom. Um, some other things that, that a person would lack in with that lifestyle is accountability, which is really important to the Lord. Um, and, and also taking care of one another, whether that be practical needs, um, praying and lifting one another up, going after breakthroughs for each other. So important to the Lord. Have commitments, loyalty to one another. Being a band of brothers, people who are willing to go in the trenches with one another and for one another. Um, th that mentality lacks um, a unity towards a common vision with a corporate family, a kingdom mandate. Um, you, you know, like we there, we can do. We have personal callings, individual. But it's only going to go so far. God's calling us something way bigger than ourselves. And I've just found that the more we're connected with the body going after a common thing, the, the, the personal callings actually get enhanced and amplified and strengthened because you've got the, you've got the momentum of the corporate momentum behind those things. So it's a powerful thing. All right. Um, and, and then another thing, you know, the, having that mentality of uh, I don't need a local church. I've got the I'm part of the kingdom. Uh, it lacks in submission to spiritual leadership, which actually, I, I, like I said a minute ago, I know that um, that some people have been turned off to church because of toxic leadership. And I totally get that. Uh, but there's healthy ways for these things to happen. And true spiritual leadership would really function more like from a heart of like a like a loving father and a mother um, who provides covering and care and the willingness to help a person recognize um, maybe if, if they need to uh, rethink something um, that maybe they weren't seeing the way that God would have them do it. It's to be for their benefit, not 
not for toxic leaders, selfish gain, if that makes sense. All right, so I just went through a few things there. I wanted you guys to hear that of, of ways that the enemy is really trying to attack the body of Christ. The Antichrist spirit is trying to disassemble the body of Christ that Jesus loves so much. It's actually his body and it's made up of different parts that need to come together in unity, working together where each person's strength is honored and valued and protected and, and working together. So the enemy knows that, that when the body is united, he doesn't stand a chance. The spirit of this world gets crushed. I'm going to talk more about those things soon. My belly's growling. I really hope you guys aren't hearing that. All right. But you might be. In a time like right now, guys, uh, we, we need to press in to this stuff like never before. What's going on in the world, what's getting heated up, uh, we, we need to be strong together. We're going to make it through this stuff. I've been pondering this week about uh, the, the church, you know, in the book of Acts that they were suffering a lot of persecution and, and, uh, and everything. And obviously, when, when a person would compare what's going on in the world with what's going on in the church during that time, the church probably didn't have tons of impact on the bigger picture. But guess what? We're in a day right now when the church probably makes up, I don't know exactly, probably half of America. The odds are different right now. And so the, the difference that the bride of Christ, the church of God, the body of Christ can make even on the societal level, probably the advantage is probably to ours in a way that they didn't have in the first century church. So we can probably make a humongous difference in ways that maybe they weren't mature enough as a body yet to do. So, but we got to band together. We got to push through all the assault that's coming against us. This is our third live stream in a row, guys. Not meeting in person. We've got to push in all the more. We cannot let this um, disrupt our momentum. We can't let this um, impact um, our, our value for getting back together. We're going to get back together as soon as we can. And we're going to keep moving forward, guys. We've got to keep moving forward. All right. And, and you know, for us personally as a church, December's not even looking super consistent as far as having a location. There's like two, two Sundays that's available in that place, and we got to figure out if we're going to have to live stream on those other days or figure out a different plan for those days. We're not going to meet outside under the out, outdoor shelter, all right? It's going to be too cold for that. Um, but we're almost, excuse me, we're almost in our own building. We're almost there. And, and we're going to be past a lot of these crazy hurdles. We need to press in and not lose momentum. My goal today in this message is to increase our awareness of the vitality of the church and how God sees you and me as the church, as his hope for all things in his kingdom to come to pass on this earth. He's depending on you and me. He's depending on his church. Okay. One of the core values we have at Overflow that we have brought from our parent church, Bethel Church, is called hope in a glorious bride. And we've got to believe in the glorious bride rising up. And right now, you know, we're, we've been seeing a lot of results in this world. 
that's, that's come about because a lot of the church has been asleep, has been in slumber, but it's time to wakey-wakey. It's time for the church, the bride, to rise up and to be the full expression of who she is. And you and I get to participate in that by us rising up together. And, and we will demonstrate this as a local church, but together with the larger body, the larger bride. I'm excited about it. I want to take a moment and tell you about something that one of our leaders from Bethel um, talked to Jessica and me about uh, last time we were in Reading. His name is Michael Brodeur, and, and we love Michael a lot. He's spoken a lot of wisdom into us, even during this church plant process. Um, <clears throat> but what he spoke to us in his office this time, it really hit my heart with a deep conviction. It rung, it just resounded within me. He was talking about um, this amazing revelation that's, that's strong in the church right now that we needed to have for centuries, but God's redeeming it. And it's called the seven mountains of society. Um, the seven mountains, I, I'm not going to try to go through them all right now, but there's government, there's family, there's education, um, there's, uh, <laughs> there's the church and a few others. I can't think right now, but uh, there is so important in the, in the whole message of that is that not everybody who has a calling from the Lord needs to feel like it has to be um, only in church ministry, um, which is so great because the world and different spheres in the world needs the men and women of God to rise up and to be more than conquerors and to bring the kingdom on every level of society. And the seven mountains of society, the teaching is that every culture has each of those different mountains or, or um, spheres of influence represented. I believe that media might be one of them. Uh, maybe, maybe science is one of them. But um, they're the things that create culture in a society. And, and so we don't need just a bunch of pastors and that's it, or a bunch of missionaries and that's it. We need people um, rising up in the government. Praise God, that's starting to happen. We need people rising up in education. We need people rising up in, in the media and all these different places that, have, that carry influence. And so Michael Brodeur was talking to us about how we've been really going after the seven mountains really well, but he's concerned that one detail of it might have been uh, really off balance. And, and guys, I want you guys to hear this, the church mountain. Now, I, I'm not going to, I don't want anybody here what I'm getting ready to say to think that, that I'm saying that uh, the callings for church ministry is superior to the other, because that's not my point. But but the mentality, whether it's been intentional or a byproduct, I think it seems that uh, that maybe people have reduced the the value of the church down to the same level as the other mountains. So the government and media and science and education and family, all these different things. That that it seems that um, that the church is just equal with the other six. And, and so what Michael was telling us, guys, this resonated with me so much. I felt a, con a holy conviction of the Lord. He, he, he was saying God never intended for the church to, to be on equal level with all those other places. 
The church is actually supposed to be the home, the family, the foundation, the family that, that undergirds the people who are going after those other things. The, the church is God's representation on this earth in his kingdom. And to, and to consider it just one of the other facets of society really reduces it down to something that makes it, um, it downgrades it, guys. And we can't see it that way. Yes, the callings, the people who are called, it is the same. You know, seven mountains, you go where you're called to go. That's where your domain is. But, but we, can't, um, we can't reduce the concept of church as, oh, yeah, well, you know, I'm called to the church or I'm called to government. No, guys, as children of God, we are. We're not just called to the church. We are the church. It's who we are, and we need to embrace it. We need to know, like, it's not a segmented thing. No, it is the DNA of God, the body of Christ. It's who we are. We, when, when people go to the seven mountains of society um, in their callings, they need to actually do it from the church. It needs to be sent from the church into those places. The church is home. The church is the family. And, and the church's covering can send you under a grace from heaven into those places to carry the blessing and the protection and the mandate into those places. So we've got we to gotta make sure that we're putting our value system right where it belongs. All right, guys, I hope you have, by now have opened up to the book of Ephesians because I'm going to read you guys some, some verses through the first three chapters here. And I want to walk you guys through this to show you um, what God thinks about the church. All right, I'm going to start with Ephesians 1.5 just to kind of set the precedence of the theme of this, all right? Ephesians 1.5 is, is talking about us having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So the, the, it starts off the book talking about us being sons and daughters of God. He's adopted us. And so we need to know that this whole thing is from the context of him being our father, us being his beloved children. I'm going to skip down to the end of Ephesians 1. You guys have heard me talk about, about these passages a bit. At the end of Ephesians 1, it, it talks about how Jesus was, um, he, after he's raised from the dead, he was ascended above every principality and power and might and dominion, and they're all put under his feet. Starting with verse 22. Starting at verse 22, it says, He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church. To who? To the church, which is His body. What is the church? It's His body. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. Wow. The church, in God's eyes, is the fullness of Him who fills all in all. That is crazy. So Jesus, who's who has been put above everything. He put all things under his feet. It says that he made, that God was made Jesus the head over all things to the church. And what that means is he actually gave Jesus as a gift to the church. Jesus, who is the head over all things, he has placed him in the church as the head of the body. So, uh, and, and then the body, like, I want you guys to hear this, like, Christ is the head of all things given to the church. It's a gift. He's a gift to the church. Notice that the church is not under his feet. 
All the other things are under his feet. The church is not under his feet. The church is his body, which means the church is his feet all the way through his legs up to his neck. And then he's the head. The church is the body. We're not under his feet because the feet are part of who we are. All right. He's actually made us one with him. And so Jesus has placed the dominions and the mights and the powers that are in the second heaven realm where Satan's kingdom is. He put them under his feet. He's put them under the church's feet. The church's feet. Yes, his, domain, his kingdom is much bigger than the church. But it's his church who he gave the dominion, the domain of his kingdom to. All right? So yeah, the kingdom is bigger, but it's, it's, I want you to envision it kind of like the kingdom is like the Garden of Eden, but, but, it, but it's all about Adam. It's all about Adam and Eve. And he gave them dominion to, to rule in that place. All right? That's the church. He's given us dominion to rule on this earth and to rule where those, where those dominions and powers are. You can't have the kingdom without the church or the, the Christ and the church combo being central to the kingdom. It takes the whole church, the whole church to become the fullness of God. You know, I'm probably not going to be the fullness of God on my own, even though I believe that he's going to increase his fullness in me. But us together as the collective body, the whole, we become the fullness of God. He makes us the expression of his power and his dominion and his glory and his love in this world. All right. Ephesians 2 goes on and, and it talks about how we were under the rulership of Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Um, and, and, and when we were living in, in our lust and our fallenness, but, we, but in Christ, we were saved. We were, we were made alive again. We were ascended with him, lifted up and seated with him in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. That's yours and my reality as individuals. But I want us to see this also as the church. Okay. Ephesians 2, 18 through 22. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and the saints and members of the household of God. Everybody say that with me. Members of the household of God. That's talking about his family. That's talking about his home. Having been built on the foundation of the, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom, he, in whom the whole building, this is talking about the church again, guys, not a church building, but the church, the family, okay? The whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That is crazy because the way the Lord sees the church, you and me, knitted together in unity and it takes the unity for this to happen he sees us as his temple in whom you are also built together for a dwelling place of god in the spirit so god inhabits his people the praise of his people he inhabits he lives in his church in the spirit in his shekinah glory so based on this passage the family is the household of our Father 
Yahweh God. Together we are being built as a dwelling place for God to live in and amongst. Together we are His temple and the Shekinah glory of God, the Kabod weighty presence glory that we all long for and want more of. It needs, the, it needs to be in the context of God's family and in unity. It's so important, guys. I love Ephesians, and uh, you know, in this season, I'm seeing more and more that this book is chock full of, of God's purpose for the church. It's not just for the individual. It goes both levels, but we need to see this as the church. On to Ephesians 3, verses 8 through 10. Here we go. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He's talking about that he was sent to bring God's grace and his lavish love and goodness um, beyond just the Jews, but to the Gentiles, to all the nations. Um, and, and let me move on. Verse 9, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The mystery is his grace being given lavishly to all who will believe, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, that's the multifaceted wisdom, it takes the collection of all the expressions of His wisdom together to put together the holistic picture of who God is, all right? To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by who? By the church. To who? to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This is crazy. God intends for the church to display His manifold wisdom. It takes the collection of all of us, fully embracing His grace and His glory and His love and His revelation, not just knowing it, but living it and expressing it outward, that together we're like the giant multifaceted diamond that the light shines in and it shows the spectrum in every direction, the color spectrum in every direc direction. That's a kind of a picture of what this looks like. And, and so it takes the church to display his manifold wisdom. He chose you and me together in unity, all of us collected in united form to display the fullness of his wisdom. And to who? To the principalities and the powers and the dominions in the second heaven realm, guys. I want to tell you that, that uh, the church as a collective unified entity is the authority of Jesus Christ on this earth towards the high places. The devil shakes in his boots when he thinks about the church being united. And that's the reason why he wants to destroy the unity and the, and the, the, the koinonia, the connection. We're called the ecclesia. That's the Greek word for the church. It's not about a building. It's not about a, a meeting club. It's about the body of Christ in unity, coming together, serving one another, serving the Lord, demonstrating the manifest presence and truth of Jesus Christ. Ha <laughs> ha. So it, it takes the, the body of Christ to bring principalities and strongholds down, even in regions and in high places. It, it's supposed to be the church together. And I would recommend to not try to attack principalities as a lone ranger doing warfare 
on principalities. That is dangerous. God never intended for it to be an individual um, trying to put your dukes up with the devil. Uh, that's what would probably end up being called wrestling with flesh and blood. All right. God intends for the church to be the one that, that brings that, that dominion in the spiritual realm down. Okay. And it's not politics that's going to do it either. It's the church. The enemy gets crippled by us when we display God's glory in the fullness of God as His church. This is important. And I'm about to start reading the last section for this message today. It's still in Ephesians 3. Let's go down to verse 14. For this reason... By the way, what I'm getting ready to read to you, I've read it probably hundreds of times, but, um, but only recently did I start to see this in the context of the church. I've always read it, you know, me and Jesus, but, but now I'm seeing through a new lens, God, yes, it is me and Jesus. Yes, it's you and Jesus, but on a bigger level, it's the church, it's his family together. Maybe God's helping me to see this better now that I'm in a season where I'm pastoring a church and I get to see from, a, from that angle. But this is important for all of us, guys. Ephesians starting with, starting with verse 14, chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees to who? The Father. It's family. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From whom the whole family, everybody say whole family, in heaven and earth is named. So we as a family are named after our Father. He puts His name on us because we are His children. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. This is a prayer to them in the context of being family. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. Did He say your heart? No, he said, your hearts, plural, you all together, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. Check that out. You may be able to comprehend with all the saints, not alone, not Lone Ranger, with the saints, together as the, with the saints that we'd be able to comprehend the width and the length and the depth and the height of His love that's infinite. How can we comprehend such a love that's beyond our, our ability to fathom such a great, massive thing? To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now I want you to think about, uh, similar to what we read about uh, the church demonstrating the, the multifaceted wisdom of God to the principalities and, and powers in the heavenly places that took, it takes the collection of the body together in unity to display all that. And in the same way, this love that's bigger than we can fathom, we, cannot, we can't understand it with our human minds, the Lord wants to reveal and, and demonstrate and give us the ability to comprehend it. By the way, that word comprehend in the Greek is the word katalambano. It doesn't just mean comprehend like 
knowing with your noggin. It means reaching out and grasping a hold of, apprehending, taking and seizing and taking possession of something, bringing it into your own custody. Catalambano, that we with all the saints will be able to catalambano, to apprehend this love that's bigger than our ability to understand and reason it, to grab a hold of it, but we got to do it together. He wants to reveal his love to his body in unity. This is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to be filled with all the fullness of God, just like it said in chapter one at the end, that his body, his church is his body, the fullness of him fills all in all. This says that in that way, as we grasp his love together, we encounter his love. We understand now. We know it because he's manifesting his love upon us because we're the bride of Christ. Thank you, Lord. It takes the family church unity to know that love that passes our ability to know anything. Come on, it's awesome. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that, not you ask, not that I ask, but all that we ask. <laughs> this is about unity, guys. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That means that whatever audacious prayers you could pray, whatever audacious imaginations you could whip up in your head um, the, as far as you could go, like God can do greater than your wildest imaginations. But guess what? It says above all that we ask. I preached a few weeks ago about the power of agreement. The, the prayers of two or three coming together in agreement where, where he's in the midst of us. He brings, moves heaven on our behalf. This is about us as the church being united to doing this together, that his power, he says, according to the power that's works within us, he can, he can do more than we can ask or even dream of. It's in the context of unity and us going after all the things he's given us as a body the power, the dunamis power that works in our midst, he can do more than we can ask or dream of. <laughs> to him be glory in the church. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Come on. This is crazy. He has infinite, there's infinite potential for answered prayers for us, but it's in the context of the unified church family of God. The dunamis power is in the context of the unified church. His glory being revealed and manifested is in the context of it being in His church. So I want to summarize with you guys the things that I just read to you from Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3. I want to summarize these thoughts. We are adopted as sons and daughters to a father the church is his body and the fullness of God. His lordship over all principalities and powers comes through the church. In Christ, the church is above the second heaven and we get to carry God's dominion on earth and in that realm. That means, that means in Christ, we become the bosses if we do it his way. Together, we are the household of God. Our unity grows us into God's temple to dwell in. 
together we confound the principalities and powers. We are God's family and we bear His name. Together with our saint family, we will grasp, experience, and know love that's bigger than anyone could understand. Bring it, Jesus. God will answer radical prayers when we are in unity because His dunamis power is amongst us. His glory will be revealed in the church. Come on. This is crazy stuff that I'm reading to you guys right now because reveals to us God's value and perspective of the church, His plan for the church. We've seen nothing yet, but we right now we're discussing these things because this is what God wants to do with the church. Now this happens. These things are true individually, but on a such a small, smaller level. These things are true for us as a local church. And we've got to embrace that because God gives candlesticks, lampstands to the churches. As we read in, a fee, in Revelation 2 and 3, um, he, he, had, he wrote letters to the angels of the churches and their lampstands. And so God has given overflow lampstands. So, so these things are true for us as a church, as we're in unity. And they're true for the larger worldwide church together. Like it takes all levels for this stuff to get manifested on every level that God has for us. So to wrap up here, guys, I want to just say these few thoughts here. We are the body of Christ. Yes, individually at one level, but collectively all together, we are his body, which means we are the embodiment of Christ, which means that Jesus, who's the ruler of all things, he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that we get to actually embody his kingship, his dominion, on this earth when we're aligned with Him in His ways. Uh, if you can imagine the, the priest, the high priest, going into the, uh, into the tabernacle or the temple, taking an incense and waving it in the presence of the Lord, and the incense fragrance goes off of that thing that he's swinging, and, and the fragrance represents His Shekinah glory going everywhere. If you could imagine that walking through this earth, swinging the incense, around the earth, releasing the fragrance of His glory. That is His bride. That is the church. That's us as we walk in unity and continue to do things His way. All right, we're the salt of the earth. We're the carriers of His glory. God has put us here not to, not to try to just uh, survive these times, but to thrive and to bring His kingdom, bring heaven on earth. That's our assignment, guys. And I just wanted to encourage you guys that that is who we are. I'm going to pray as I end this time now. God, we thank you. The, we're, we're greater than we know, not because of ourselves, but because we're in you. And Lord, together, God, we are so powerful under your headship, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help us to stand strong, to stand firm in this time that we're in and to know, Lord, that, that you intend to bring Satan down to his knees before you, Lord God, and that we, it's not going to happen by binding and rebuking, Lord, it's going to happen by us demonstrating your kingdom and your multifaceted wisdom and, and being who we're called to be, Lord, and that you're going to shake 
the dark, the kingdom of darkness, God, and you're going to reveal Christ. When we believe, Lord, for an end time revival and a, and a reformation, a holy reformation and a harvest of souls coming into your kingdom. And we want to be banded together so that we can function in the healthy way that you've called us to and believe in this. We want to reveal your glory to this world. We want to be a refuge. We want to be a place, Lord, where people can run to and, and know that they're going to get set free from the things that plague their lives, Lord. Make us those people. Lord, you've promised, God, through these verses that your glory will be in our midst. You've promised that you will manifest your love in profound ways that will overwhelm us, Lord, that you will fill us with the fullness of God. Lord, we want that. That looks like revival. We want that in Overflow Church. We want that, Lord, in this central Indiana region. We want that in our nation, God. In Jesus' name, we want to see your kingdom come in our midst. Lord, we want to be the people that you've called us to be so that we can be a safe landing place, a safe place for you to come and inhabit your people with your glory and to bring the salvation of the Lord into our land, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. That's powerful stuff. Guys, I hope you stuck with me on this one. Um, I want to ask you guys just to dig into this stuff this week. Like, let the Lord pierce your heart. Let the Lord speak to you through the week. Take these things in. Chew on it. You're going to be eating a lot of turkey and mashed potatoes. Why don't you eat a lot of this Ephesians truth of the of the ecclesia and God's plans and the, the we as as His church are the hosting mechanism that he's created to bring all the glory and the revival that we keep praying for. You guys are so important to God and to the kingdom and to this world and to me.